You are listening to the Bondzilla Podcast. The Bondzilla Podcast is a bi-monthly analysis of two of cinema's longest-running franchises, James Bond and Godzilla. This week, Godzilla fights a giant robot doppelganger in 1974's Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla. You've been complaining. I've been quiet the last. The couple last times. time wasn't a complaint. It was just a an, oh, an observation. Right. Yeah, well, that that one was very. That one was very. But that kind of like a little bit of precursor to uh, yeah. this episode. Yeah. I think. So yeah. hey, howdy do, folks. Yeah. Another episode of the Bonzo Podcast on the docket here today. I am Nick, and I am Will. Also on the docket today. I thought you were saying like I'm Nick on the docket today. No, 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 on the docket today. We're it's a, it's we're not on the docket. The episodes on. The Doesn't docket. that sound like a new like some comedian's going to come up and that's going to be like their John Oliver Daily Show type show? It's like on the docket today. <laughs> <laughs> some like poor Australian like is just like uh, on the docket today, mate. <laughs> that's a terrible Australian. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you and I. I mean, you've got better accents than I do. Yeah, I can't really do. I can only do like like size of a tangerine. Yeah, that's your <laughs> the one. Size of a tangerine. See, that's, that's my. That's what I'm most. One dis- day, she, he went to the village in Burma and found <laughs> a, a ruby the size of a tangerine. You're one. He was supposed to blow the bloody dogs off. <laughs> your one accent is Michael Caine. That's it. <laughs> and your Connery's pretty good. Your Sean Connery's pretty good. She. <laughs> <laughs> she, she was the size of a tangerine. <laughs> See, that's my biggest disappointment in life. Is my that I, I didn't a- develop any accents. My name's Tangerine. Size of a tangerine. <laughs> um. Anyway. Um. But not uh, enough of this. See, I, oh, James Bond yeah. fellow Nick. You know, James Bond. He's old news. He's he's last week's news. He's he's not even last week's news. He's two weeks ago's news. And he'll be two weeks in front of us. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, he, what what goes around comes around. But yeah. what's around right now is the King of Monsters himself. Once again, it's a Godzilla week, uh, and I am excited. Uh, to get into this episode, admittedly, um, a little bit, m- maybe more of a fr- uh, of a front loaded episode because uh, we may be a little bit of light on uh, material, but that will give us enough time to actually talk about the movie, which I'm very excited about. And will what per chance is the movie this week? Well, if we want to remind Nick, people who didn't listen, who maybe skipped over the intro where I tell you what the movie this week was, <laughs> let's let's Nick, let's talk about the movie. Here's the thing: uh, we yeah. are. 14 movies yep. into the Godzilla franchise. Mm-hmm. We've been, you, you think we've been through the ringer, right? We've yeah. seen aliens. We've seen smog monsters. We've seen like giant bugs. What else have we seen? Uh, we've Dragons. Seen, we saw a, 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 a latchkey kid. Yeah, yeah. Latchkey kids. Just, just the whole thing. Like, Where could you go, Nick? I don't know. Yeah. Um, well, you know what? Obviously, I think Toho had the same idea. It's right. like, well, well, what do you do? Well, it's like, we really don't want to... Like, what if he's just like a... What if it's like another Godzilla? And they're like, well, we can't just do another Godzilla. Yeah, make him a robot. And I think that's how we got Godzilla versus Mecha Godzilla in 1974, directed by Jun Fukuda. Alternate titles. 
Godzilla versus the bionic monster or Godzilla versus the cosmic monster, both mm-hmm. U.S. titles, which we will get into as we describe. But as we are getting into this, I do want to give a little bit of, of uh, a little bit of a prologue to this episode because this is a movie that you have been very fascinated to to visit. Yes. And I kind of want to hear what why this one cuz this was one that you had admitted and this was way beyond even the inception of this podcast really. Like even during the early days of you finding out about my Godzilla fandom, this Mecha Godzilla was for some reason just very fascinating to you. Yeah. No, I've I I said previously that I have I've not seen any of the Mechagodzilla movies until now. I've now seen one. That the mm-hmm. Mecha, I know he makes other appearances, uh, but I've always been a fan of Mechagodzilla. Uh, it was one of those things. I think I saw him in like one of the early like two thousands video games, mm-hmm. like like a, probably an ad in Nintendo Power or something like that. You know when like. But what? But what about Mechagodzilla? Like, and I, it's just the fact that so it flares up the imagination. It's a for robot Nick to... Godzilla. <laughs> like that's that's it's just like it's a robot that looks like Godzilla. Right. And I just to me that's just a. I don't know. It just really captures like it's just a weird little thing you know and it's just like the it's like in a sense like really cool but still ultimately japanese but it's just like to me it's just you know it's like not just building a giant robot a giant robot that looks like like the you know the ultimate destruction machine at least that's how i always viewed godzilla even before the podcast it's like he's like this force of nature what you're gonna do you could build a second one right he's robotic and he's got like you know, all this gadgetry and stuff like that. Now, maybe this is part of the allure and the mystery, but did you have any idea or was it part of it that it's like, well, is he like his own – is Mechagodzilla like its own creature? Like is it, is it is it its own robot or is somebody in the head piloting it? Like what, what's the deal? Yeah, I mean that's part of it because there is a lot of like was it built like as a defense for Earth? Was it built – Is it a good guy? Yeah. Yeah, you don't even know if it's well, a good guy or and, not. I usually, he fights Godzilla but like again like you have your perceptions of what Godzilla is. You know, mm-hmm. he's like the destructive monster who fights other monsters. But like was he built like, you know, by humans to, mm-hmm. to protect the Earth like I said? Is it is it something – yeah, is it piloted? How does it work? Is it an AI? I just – always thought it was so weird but cool that there was just a, it was just a robot Godzilla right you know? right that it, again it's like it's not just the fact that it's like oh like a humanoid jet Jaguar or a Voltron or something it's like they they decided to whoever made God Mecha Godzilla they mm-hmm. decided to just well Godzilla is the most destructive force on earth so let's just build him but as a robot okay all right well let's get into Godzilla versus Mecha Godzilla now this was interesting because um I Went deep and found some information, but strangely enough, there was this was very light on behind the scenes information. Mm. Very light, very light, which I thought was super interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that's just especially because, coming off of production like the last one, which was a very interesting pre-production. True, true, and I mean, you know, as we've talked about many times, Toho is in the period of producing these movies where obviously they have no problem doing it. There is an interest for them to do it. There's obviously an audience that they feel like they can still connect with. Uh, with it, um, obviously, after the last previous movies, the international reception of it is that these are kitty films yeah, at, yeah. at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like um, we talked about last time. So, uh, but I don't think that deterred them from continuing making them because, as we know, the production issues on the last one were strictly because you know 
just script and story it, it issues. It was creative. It yeah. was creative stuff. Um, so with this one, with the release date of 1974, this was actually produced naturally as the Godzilla 20th anniversary uh, film. Mm. And right, uh, yeah, yeah, I guess that's true. And and this was um, uh, in Japan, especially was um, marketed that way too. Mm-hmm. Like they they were ex- exploiting uh, exploiting that thing, which is interesting because now I think it's a much bigger deal. I think the celebration of Godzilla and the anniversaries of Godzilla is a much more uh, realized uh, yeah. thing. Oh yeah, um, I mean, as opposed to when it was back then, because back then it would have been like interesting, where it's like, oh yeah, Godzilla's been around for twenty years. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll get into it as we go along, but it's a, it's the same thing with the Bond mm-hmm. uh, films that the the you know how big the fiftieth was, and obviously the we'll talk about like the other anniversaries that come up in between then. But you know, it's just like yeah, like you know. Um, Right around Man with the Golden Gun era was like, oh, this is now Bond's, you know, 10 years old. And yeah. like, for your eyes only, oh, Bond's 20 years old now. And it's like, it was just at those points, it's like, oh, it's just doing this. Whereas, like, as you get further well, in, it's I mean, now it's, like, it's once you get like, you know, once it's a big franchise, especially in the modern era, like how you can promote that a lot. Yeah. Um, and know, especially now being in a very nostalgic, nostalgic uh, era. era that you have like the social media and viralness so you can put out these events and put out these, you know, special things to do. And, well, it's the and, entire genesis of and you can this put podcast, out, like, you know, too. You can, yeah, you can put out like, you know, like the... Uh, um, the Bond Blu-ray set that has all the discs. Right. It's, it's the Bond 50. So because it was came out, it came out for the 50th, and like you didn't have something like that for the 20th anniversary of Godzilla or the 20th anniversary of Bond. You didn't have like, oh, let's release all these on, uh, you know, uh, 75 millimeter prints and give them out to everybody. Right. No. You, you, and of course, it's like easier for Bond uh, too in terms of just oh yeah giving yeah, it out. Yeah, but yeah. but in terms of like celebration, I mean, it, it is the reason like we're talking about it now because now these franchises are known as like these icons right now. legendary franchise whereas like at the time they were probably things that people liked oh, like yeah. and they were they were icons in terms of like iconography like they're good they were good image go to right. franchises and ip but and, now and it's again, like their icons like their length even at that point like for both bond and godzilla you know it was even unheard of really to be doing a franchise for 20 years well also th- this actually brings up an uh, interesting point um, which, as is... we talk about it, we come up with new things. We should come up with a podcast about this, like you know, where we talk about Bond and uh, Godzilla, and then we're like, "Oh man, there's like a parallel here. Let's talk about it." Yeah, not this podcast no. though, but no. I'll put it in here. But also, if it's like again, like you think about it, it's 1974. This is still before Star Wars. This is still before like sure, yeah, Star yeah. Wars, like in that post Star Wars era where the franchise era of kind of Hollywood specifically like really comes together. Well, and these in these two franchises have been going on, you know, for, you know, 20, 10, 30 you know, years at this point, like by the time we're hating these films. Well, one thing I think that we are cuz one thing to notice about this movie, we are approaching the end of the Showa era. Mm-hmm. I was going to leave this to later, but this is a good time to bring it up. Uh we have this movie and one more movie and then we're done. With the Showa era of oh, we're films, done with, we're done with the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, we just got finished on the Bond side, the the, the more era, yes. the more era. So it's interesting because like these movies, obviously, there's been a slight change, and there's been like little bits of percepti- uh, perception change. But really, at this point, I would argue that neither of these movies have gone through a big tonal shift yet in terms of like era of films Mm -hmm. like for other than like the first Godzilla movie the pretty much tonally the movies are 
at least as a public collective, yeah. very similar in terms of like their big kitty monster movies. Yeah. With the James Bond era, obviously their little tonal changes we talked about, but in most part, I mean, it's been more for a long time. Yeah. At this and point. it's all about like the goofy gadgets and yeah. the the spy work. So it's interesting that now I would argue that we've seen multiple. Now we're gonna get to the era with both of these franchises where the franchises are now like reinventing themselves yes. after this. Yes. And I think that may be the key to what makes them the big icons and the mm-hmm. lasting icons they are. Yeah, especially with, with where we are specifically. Um, because it's it's really interesting to think back for both, you know, obviously at the time they're doing these movies, they're not even thinking, oh, we're in the Showa era. And we're, you know, no, it's no. like that's a reflective thing. And with, with the Bond franchise, it's a little different, obviously, because you base those eras off of actors. But really, like when you look back at like, you know, thinking about where they were after A View to a Kill and thinking like, OK, this is the last Moore film. And it's really been Connery and Moore with that one Lazenby drip in the pan. Sure, sure. And, and now it's like you're going to get your fourth Bond, which we're going to talk about next time. But it's interesting in that sense where you're like, okay, yeah, this is where the the franchise keeps evolving, and now it's weird to think we're at six Bond. And again, and, and like I said, the same thing with Godzilla. Now it's like we're gonna be getting, like I have no idea what's you know obviously I've seen maybe one of the you know films, one right. or two of the films from the next eras of of Godzilla. So I'm really I'm gonna be very interested to see once we step forward, once we finish these two films, to really kind of see, okay, how does that change? I would, and I'll be interested to I, show you how like Dalton and Brosnan yeah, change Bond. Because I would argue that there has yet to be a and they're not rebooted, but they're kind of like these franchises get a soft reboot mm-hmm. in a way. Uh, these franchises get a Thor Ragnarok in a way. Yeah. Where it's like they continue but they kind of like change like kind of like styles and mm-hmm. I mean, I guess it is kind of more of a reboot because they change continuity sometimes, and like, yeah. and with Bond, who who knows? Uh, well, but yeah, well, yeah, I mean, like Bond gets tricky. Yeah, but but we'll, with we'll, both of the movies, I think you would you could you could also argue when uh, Dalton comes around. I just think, like I said, we're getting to the period with both of these movies are about to go through. Like, all right, we're yeah. getting new. Yeah, and I versions of these I don't want to get too too much, but I I do think with with Bond you do get a distinct, like, there's a shift with right. Dalton. And I think it's like, we're going to, obviously, because the Godzilla ones are more reflect, like reflective of, like, reflectively placed eras, we're definitely going to get a change once we get away from the show. Like, we're just definitely going to be a transition. Right. It, there, there's going to be a craft difference, definitely. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, and I, I, I'll mention this a little bit more with the movie, but, like, I know what, the, what you said tonally, mm-hmm. you know, um, that the films really haven't changed. But what's been really fascinating specifically about watching the Godzilla franchise mm-hmm. is how visually these films have changed. Sure. Like I, I think like well when we I want to get into it more when we get to the movie, but when you even compare like whatever, you know, like King Kong versus Godzilla, which was just a decade before this, which is really crazy to think how much they've been pumping these movies out. Right. Oh, yeah, like, 100%. You know, but, you know, it's, uh, like, that's what's been most fascinating to me. It's like you could really tell the evolution of film technology just from, like, how they shoot these movies. But getting back to the movie uh, real quick, um, so the only kind of direction that I know for the movie yeah. uh, was the main objective, because at this point it's like it's the 20th anniversary, let's celebrate Godzilla in some way. Um, they went to the um, the special effects uh, director who is still uh, Teruyoshi Nakano. Um, uh, he, they, Toho and him, basically, their main directive was they want this Godzilla movie to be as exciting and uh, boisterous and as 
exciting as the most expensive American effects-driven films. Mm. <laughs> like, so basically, this was the celebration movie. This is like, we're going to go all out with this one. Make it a true spectacle. Mm-hmm. What spectacle was the goal um, with this movie. Um, so getting to a little bit more of the behind the scenes... Um, because there really isn't too much else other than they know they wanted they went with the Mecha Godzilla route, uh, who we'll talk about in a in a minute. Even though there's not too much to talk about the conception of them, uh, but again, it was just big old spectacle. Um, bigger is better in this case. Yes. Uh, so in terms of the people working on this, uh, Jun Fukuda, uh, directed this film. Uh, returning Godzilla director. This is his fifth Godzilla film, and would mark his final Godzilla film. So I did want to talk about June Fukuda yeah, for a little bit because it's best to get it out of the way right now. Yeah. Um, so let you're going to find this very interesting uh, running this down. So this being June Fukuda's final Godzilla movie, mm-hmm. later on in his later years, uh, he would actually look at his time at Toho making monster movies in uh, not the best light. Mm. Uh, in fact, uh, he was not a fan of his time making monster movies to the point where not only does he really not like any of the Godzilla films that he has made, um, maybe a little bit of an exception for Abira because he enjoyed the cast on that movie mm. the most, uh, but he would go so far as to say that he believes that no Godzilla sequel should have ever been made. <laughs> And uh, there's a transcript of an interview in which all this is kind of like documented. And when you read the interview, it is the most dismissive, not rude, but definitely he has no affection or care for his time making those movies. Like the interviewer is asking like, well, what about, it's like, how about this? And sometimes he would have an answer, specifically if it was about the cast. But if it comes down to, it's like, so what was the conception of this? It's like, I don't know, we needed to go a different direction. Mm. Um, And I think this was mostly because uh, he was more so contractually um, obligated to make these movies. Uh, His passion was more for some of the, uh, for like doing like comedies and stuff like that, but mostly he had an interest in doing spy films, which puts his movies in a very interesting light, especially this one. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that he focuses on characters a little bit are very um, yeah. spy-ish, I guess you could argue. I mean, the last his last two films have had spy elements to yeah, them, yeah. I would argue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, the only other thing I would say is that uh, he uh, threw a lot of shade at Robert Dunham, who played the Cetopian King in uh, in Megalon, uh, calling him unprofessional and dismissing him as just an American who lived in Japan. Ooh. <laughs> um, but it is interesting to me that for somebody with not a lot of passion for the work, there does seem to be a level of commitment to going in the new direction, Yeah, I would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I... I... Fakuda, like, it's it's interesting that you bring that up because mm-hmm. I feel like really when you reflect on it, like, the strengths of Fakuda's best films are that he pulls out the personality of that human cast and that reflects, I think, around the whole movie itself. You can tell when Fakuda's more into the film that he's doing sure. and when he's not mm-hmm. like something like Abira and, or something like here in Mechagodzilla, it just, it's just a different energy. And when you bring that up about the cast, I feel like when he's really like hitting on those cylinders, I feel like he really kind of pushed it out there. Whereas something like he directed Gigan. Mm-hmm. And I feel like something like Gigan, it just felt it. That one just felt like, 
uh, like phoned in. Phone like it's like that was like you know that that distaste for it kind of played out on screen. Well, because yeah, in Abira you had the thieves, you, or you had the thief, and you had like the the three young guys, and you had and like you, the like, young woman, and even like the villains and like the kookiness of like sure. the guy with the eye patch and like you know the whole red bamboo thing. Like you had like you had a whole like distinct dynamic between everybody. In it, that movie. it seemed like a guy who had a fresh take when he came on. Mm-hmm. Did things like bring on the um, the the. Uh, Composer mm-hmm. Masaru Sato, who right. we'll also talk about, because this was also his last film. Yeah. Uh, working on these two, um, and you could just tell that they came on, and it's like we're going to do it our style in a different direction. And there were a few movies he stepped off for, like he didn't do Adora, um, right? He didn't do Adora, just draw monsters. Yeah. yeah. Um. So he comes on to do that, and you can tell, like at least that one has. You're right. Like the we're going in a different direction, and you can even see if you're not passionate about it. Like he comes in and kind of does a cool thing, and like you know maybe you think it's going to be a one off. I, I don't know. Yeah. And then you can just tell that despite him being professional and trying to go a different direction, the passion just was yeah. not there anymore. Um, and it seems like as we get into this one. I think there were some things that he was able to exercise a little bit more in this movie yeah. than he than he had ever been. Oh yeah, no, um, and I, I feel like again when you mentioned just some of the specifics of that interview, like the spy work and his his more enjoyment of the human cast in certain films, I I, I just feel like you can kind of tell that maybe he had a little bit more craftsmanship sure. over over this one. Uh, there's two quick things I want to go over because I kind of just want to get into the movie. Um, because there's a few things. We'll talk about the monsters when we talk about the movie and everything. It's just going to work better that way, I think. Uh, but as I said, this is Masaru Sato's uh, final film, mm-hmm. uh, which I think you have been enjoying his music a lot. Yes. Um, yes. Which is funny so, because... So, like, what is he... Like, if we can go over what... Kind a of lot. Like, I think all the June Fukuda. All, all, all the June Fukuda. And if I remember, he may have just done most of them since i don't think he did destroy all monsters right because i mean we know some of them have been like if a base scores reused right yeah but other than that it's interesting because sato i i and i don't think it's his fault either i think that it just it it doesn't help the kiddish nature of these no, movies no. when you, um yeah, like i do so, feel so, like a more consistent like Ifakube type, and let's face it, like Ifakube, like his the military theme is a little bit whimsical, but I just yeah. feel like there's a tonal through line with his music. Well, the that thing, the thing about uh, Sato, there's no, there's no tonal through line. Th- th- in his that's music the thing about is Sato is. is that yeah. like I, you know, his scores are very like they're catchy and they're like they have great melody and they do get stuck in your head. But there's the, the style and the tone of them are so all over the place, like just across the movies. Mm-hmm. Like you know, in Abira, you have that we had that kind of really jazzy score. You know, he moves on to like Son of Godzilla, which is the most whimsical kid score ever. Then you get to like here in Mecha Godzilla, where it's like he has like a Donkey Kong bongo score. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's, yeah. His scores are all over the place, and it's kind you know as much as I kind of enjoy the absurdity of like hearing them, like hearing this Donkey Kong bongo beat while you know Mecha Godzilla and Godzilla are ripping each other apart. Mm-hmm. There is a sense of like. you know, it's just it seems a little bit too absurd. Right. I love the absurdity of it, but like yeah, like. Not that it has to be a serious score, but it just feels like this, you know, it, sure, can, it I mean, can be there, distracting but there, at points. But there's also no through line with it at all, because it feels like you get, like, that bongo score, and then you kind of get, like, and you know, like a more traditional, like, Japanese bongo, song. You, and like You get a more traditional, traditional kind of uh, 
action score and then the bongo beat. Right. And, and then you get like this kind of weird, you know, sitcom-y, you know, like light theme at the beginning and arguably it didn't really fit in a beer either like I mean, no. you know, yeah <laughs> no, 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 no. i mean like it's a it doesn't but it's in- interesting yeah it's, it's, it's interesting to kind of take in, in into context sure and i think it's one of those things where this is where i advocate that movies be products of their time because mm-hmm. i feel like i am at least from a godzilla collector standpoint kind of happy that like oh we get like these wackier Godzilla movies that had these wacky scores because I, I this methodology will not um, probably didn't use that word right but this method will not go go on yeah, that, this, that much know, further all that, this, this aggression will not stand man. so one last thing uh, and this was just a brief trivia note I said this would come back is the alternative title the US title the United States uh, title Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla uh, it was originally called in the US Godzilla versus the Bionic Monster um, but Universal, who was responsible for the six million dollar man and the bionic woman, threatened to sue Cinema Shares, who was um, releasing the movie in the U.S., uh, for using the word "bionic" mm. in, in their marketing and as their title, which then was quickly retitled to "Cosmic Monster." Interesting. Uh, but which is funny because there's posters available of both, both bionic both. and 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 cosmic. Monster. Interesting. I was just looking. Turning on my. Sh- what are you doing? I was turning on my computer. I was just Wikipedia to Bionic Woman the other day. Um. So um. I mean that's it. All right. I turned on the computer that time. <laughs> my my computer is touch sensitive. Um. But yeah. I mean here's the thing, and I think we were able to fill it up with some other interesting material. But in terms of making this movie, it was straight up like let's make a spectacle. It's 20th anniversary of Godzilla. Put a robot in it. And let's get on with it. Put a robot on it, make it look like Godzilla. Yeah, um, which I think we should take that stance. And uh, Nick, let's get on with it. Let's get on with it. Damn Godzilla. You're mistaken if you think your powers are a match for Mecha Godzilla. gonna get on with it now uh so nick um did this live up to your dreams this is to me the most solid overall package of a godzilla movie we've had since abira Mm -hmm. just in terms of great great monster action an actual kind of compelling human plot line uh to me at least Mm -hmm. um and just a beautifully shot movie in some senses um and even just in terms of the previously seen just a lot of really cool shots like a, a, a step forward in terms of camera movement and everything like that this was a great overall package and i will say right off the bat that mecha godzilla one of my favorites. <laughs> it's right up there. So, like, my favorite monsters so far have been, like, Godzilla, obviously. Godzilla's oh, yeah, up course, there. Yeah, and yeah. then, like, um, like Ghidorah and his original Ghidorah appearance, I think, have been, like... And Jet Jaguar is up there, too, now. Mm-hmm. I just really enjoy them. But Godzilla, he's he's right up there next to Godzilla now. Like, I, I really, really 
was happy that I well, enjoyed let, him in this movie. Let's so call much. him by his proper name. You like Mecha Godzilla one. Ooh. Yeah. Uh-oh. We'll get into that. Uh, this movie was awesome. Yeah, uh, no, it's 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 yeah, it's good. This um and this was one of the ones. Uh, this is one of my early like watch this as a kid before I was really into Godzilla because I had I had just seen this a long time before. I mean, I'm I'm rewatching all these and kind of reminiscing about them at the same time. Um, this is I think the best Godzilla movie we have watched since uh, Ghidorah the Three Headed Monster. Yeah. Um, this is easily in my top five. Uh, it's been my top five. Either. Um, I, and the biggest thing is like, cause we often talk about both on mic and off is that what is a Godzilla movie that you would show other than the original 54? Yeah. Uh, what is like a Godzilla movie you would show somebody like mm-hmm. one of our friends who is maybe kind of interested in at least watching one, but like, which one would you show them? Yeah. And you know, I've kind of struggled with like answering that because there's some that I'm like, Oh, you may find this interesting for more of like a, historical perspective perspective and like a film perspective maybe this is the first movie in a long time and i actually think maybe my go-to choice out of the 54 movie for like you want to see like what a real kaiju toho monster movie is that watch this movie i honestly agree like to me it's like i if i someone asked me like okay show me like a godzilla movie outside the 54 it's between this and Ghidorah. Yeah, yeah to me because both of them have the same strengths. They have like really interesting, the fun monster action. Sure. They have human plot lines that are simultaneously absurd and still entertaining and still acted well. And sure. Stuff like yeah. That. I and and I I think that that's like a key in terms of introducing other people. Like I still like again my favorite human plot line is still the Venetian stuff in Ghidorah, and I think that's the most compelling that we've had. So that far. is that's the best one. But. But I, I do think that this one has a lot of cool elements to it uh, that that you can also get behind. Um, I think what makes this like really decent as a Toho monster movie, because I mean that also kind of like with lovable caveats is what yeah. I would oh, yeah. say. Yeah. Uh, because the thing about this one, which is I think what puts Ghidorah over it still, is that in terms of story and human stuff, it is very functional. It's it's functional and, and like has like bits and quirks that sure. that elevate it slightly. Like, Whereas like I feel like in other movies, like I mean like if we go back to and we said like that kind of worked in its detriment, but kind of like in a backhanded compliment type of way with Megalon where there's just no human stuff. Right. And there's just other stuff with human stuff that's just it just falls flat. And then like most of the show series is like that. Yeah, yeah. Whereas this was like and again, I'm not saying it's deep. I'm not saying like, oh, you like you like care about the characters and I and I actually think that there is some stuff that it's kind of brought up and dropped and i'm not saying it's the most well-constructed story but in terms of like a narrative to make the for the movie to at least rest on it's functional and to actually have again human characters that are like again even that they're not deep they're still like there's still an investment there i think i think they're likable enough they're like they're likable that's that's the word i'm looking for they're likable enough uh and they they're you know the the chemistry between them and the way that they kind of function around each other. Mm-hmm. I think still makes it like again their relationships do make it an entertaining watch. Like like again, Ghidorah is the height of it because I think Ghidorah really, other than Fifty Four, 
is the one film that has a certain deepness to its relationships. Sure. Um, well, it has defined relationships, too. It has defined too. relationships, yeah. and it has, like, you know, again, that interesting trio of the sister, the police officer, and the Venetian, and kind of how they all interact. But I do think that there is slight little things about the relationships in this movie that I really did appreciate. Sure, I mean... Well, and to, and, and let, let's, let's just get into the specifics now. Like, we've, been, we've gone our overall thoughts. Well, I mean, like, here's the thing about, like, talking about the story. I mean, the story of this movie is aliens are attacking... Yeah. And they have Mechagodzilla. Yes. That's the story. That's the story. But <laughs> but unlike our other recent alien plots, mm-hmm. so other like unlike Gigan and unlike Mechalon. So Gigan has this whole like one dimensional plot thing that there's a lot of nonsense in and that the nonsense really drags down the movie. And of course Megalon, we've talked about a million times, just doesn't have a plot. This one kind of harkened back to that kind of, you know, Ghidorah, Ibira era where there was actually like a, an interesting little like like a setup to like the mystery or like the 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 goal mm-hmm. of the movie, which is so to talk about the plot a little bit more specifically, uh, there's a group of people who have discovered this like cave, mm-hmm. um, you know, that has all weird markings yeah. and stuff like that and, you know... We we almost got a reporter. Yeah, we, we almost, did. We, we almost, almost got a reporter because um, we haven't also had uh, boardroom meetings. Yeah, we almost the, had a reporter, yeah. but then uh, she turns out to be an archaeologist. Yeah, because he's like, no reporters, and he's like, you think I I'm thought a she was. I thought they were doing a clever thing. I thought she was lying about that. Yeah. I thought she was going to end up being a, a reporter, reporter, and yeah. she like she joked yeah, about it. But she's it. an archaeologist at the local like university. The guy said she joked about it, like yeah. she like, <laughs> like as if a lie. like ah, she was just joshing him. Yeah. Um, but they go in this cave, they find these markings about, like, you know, this ancient prophecy about, you know, two, a monster destroying the town. and then two Well, mon- but two this mon- is also important to mention because I do think this kind of is another thing I would backhand compliment a little bit. Because there is a subplot, and you can't see it uh, because it's an audio format, but I'm putting quote signs. There's a subplot about uh this is all taking place in okinawa and there's like this whole subplot where like the native or the families who live in okinawa are they they protect this ancient temple they protect the ancient temples and they have this whole thing about like people coming into their land for tourist attractions or like you know doing like people coming in and And not being as respectful to like like the culture and the main one is like a young woman who's like a descendant of this like dynasty exactly and then her father which looks like the the, grandfather her grandfather yeah who looks like the person that trained uh uh Beatrix. Oh, uh, yeah, in, Pai Mei. In, Pai uh, Mei yeah, he, I mean, and that's not us being racist. He legitimately no, no, looks yeah, like that. He, look it up. Yeah. Guys, look it up. He legitimately. Who, by the way, is overcooking it so much as the old man. Like, he is so over the top. Like, when he's coming down, he's like, granddaughter, granddaughter. His like, arms are flailing Nani! around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what her name is. Naughty, naughty. It's like it's so. What are you crazy. doing? You are protecting this land. But but that's like kind of again, quote unquote. The subplot is like yeah. there's this protected, right? Like, and there's a prophecy that's related yeah. to that, where it's like a monster will come down and destroy. But then when uh, there's a red blood moon and the sure. sun rises in the west, which is uh, the two monsters will Well, you will get say, 10 minutes into this movie and you're like, oh, there's like a functional narrative going yeah. on. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. It's so, paced very so, well. Yeah, so yeah. they go in this cave and they find the statue of this ancient uh, 
guardian called King Caesar. Yeah. Um, and then it basically it turns out that part of the plot once you know once they get in the machinations is that they have to take the statue to Okinawa to the temple and and place it on at a certain time to you know awaken this guardian. Sure. And to me again that's a very functional goal mm-hmm. that's unique. That's they they put a lot of um, interesting kind of twists to it. Uh, and it kind of like turns to the plot that kind of still make it dramatic. Mm-hmm. And it's not just like, oh, we have to survive or we have to find a way to like defeat the monster with this, but you know, I think with this it's, weapon. It's, imp- just, like, it's, it's like there, that is like at least one plot line that has like a succinct, like, oh, they have to go somewhere. And sure. That makes but it's it- also important to mention, I think too, that we could describe it all day long, but a lot of you don't know what it's like to watch these movies sometimes. Yeah. Uh, but when you're watching it, it's, paced very well oh yes yes, yes. like so it's, it's paced just like you know they dis- they discover what it is they take it they take the statue back to examine it and then right when they kind of get to the scene where they're explaining it a little bit too much now the first part of the prophecy is happening with again like you said a lot of decent visuals in here with like the black uh the black um cloud over everything mm-hmm. and just as that's happening you get introduced to what you think is which is really awesome by the way how the volcano spits out essentially at the moment you think is godzilla right so you you open up and you think this volcano opens up and there's this big explosion and you think it's godzilla and you think it's godzilla making his triumph for the parent oh by the way before we get there because they were on the plane at one point this is maybe the most bizarre part of the movie um well, there's two things. So this uh, Nani, who's the descendant of like the dynasty or whatever, yeah. she has a vision of like, oh, like, you know, something's going to happen. Monsters are going to come attacking. And part of the vision is Ghidorah at one point, which has like, it was is that supposed to like, like trick the audience? Like, do we think like we're coming in to see Ghidorah? But no, it's actually Mechagazzo, but whatever. But at one point when they're in the plane, uh, the prophecies start and like the, the warning signs start. And the guy has a flashback where he remembers oh, yeah. the her the prophecy, the girl telling the prophecy. But it's all done in like a grid view, like of multiple like, the clip on like screen at like at least like, like imagine, twenty times. Imagine like the opening. Of it's the, like a checkerboard. Imagine the opening of the Brady Bunch, but it's all the same. Yeah, scene. exactly. It was so that was the most bizarre part of the movie, yeah. like in terms of aesthetic choices. Yes, but eventually, so yeah, so we they get the part. The prophecy starts, you know, and there's other machinations of like people meeting. They have there's a professor, there's like a weird guy following them, all this sort of stuff. But then Godzilla appears, you're right? And you're thinking, oh. Godzilla's here. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Usually he only introduced to the monster, the new monster first, and then Godzilla comes and it's sure. a monster. Then, just to kind of go ahead with that, Godzilla steps on land and he's destroying stuff. Mm-hmm. And this, you know, this is a really effective way. It's something that's very effective from watching these movies in order. Just in terms of how Godzilla has been presented essentially since... Abira, mm. uh, well, maybe right after Abira, so like right in that era, Son of Godzilla, you know, where he's that hero kind of character. Um, and well, he hasn't and, been a, like a destroying. He hasn't been a destroying force of nature force. In other a while. than other than in Destroy All Monsters when he was mind controlled. Sure, and so Godzilla comes in the town. He he approaches this building. He punches it from the top. Yeah, he down. pummels it. He pummels it from the top down, and everybody's like, "That's you know," and and and. It's also effective because there's like you know, there's a one the one character like one of the main guys is like that's weird like this is this is this doesn't seem like Godzilla because then 
Godzilla comes uh, and fights Anguirus. Mm-hmm. And again, just watching these movies. Which, by the way, it has not been more clear ever. Uh, and I like the Anguirus suit, but it has not been more clear than in this movie that it is a guy crawling on his feet. Yes. <laughs> the, the Anguirus suit, all the suits in this movie look great. Yeah. But the Anguirus suit actually I thought looked really cool. No, it, it is really cool. It's just like it is what it is yeah. in the wide shots. It's clearly a guy crawling on all <laughs> yeah. four of his feet. But, yeah. But then like. You know, we've established in the past couple movies that like Godzilla and Anguirus are now buddies, right? That they're that they're like basically partners in so crime. So, Nick, Remember? what you're saying is in this movie they see each other and then they get along right away. Something's funny going on here. <laughs> they Godzilla proceeds to, and this well, is how you know yeah. you're in for a treat because already the monster action is just top notch at one point i think it, the battle starts with Angiris basically saying hey what's up and then godzilla like kicks him across the valley just punts him he, <laughs> he punts, punts him that's exactly what he does there's like a, i'm thinking of a movie where like some guy like just punts a dog i can't remember what movie. it's anchorman it's anchorman yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's just like like an anchorman godzilla just punts Angiris sure like yeah. all the way across to a bridge yeah and it and it's done in a way where Angiris is like what happened like, <laughs> like dude like what the hell like yeah. we're, we're and then now. proceeds to this. If this scene doesn't set the tone for what the monster action is going to be, which I, I that's a, a compliment, by the way, mm-hmm. because it also ends with Godzilla at this point that you think is Godzilla, yeah. Uh, Basically breaking Anguirus's jaw open. Yeah, he just like he takes his jaw and like just cracks it open and blood's pouring out. Yeah, he like grabs his tail and like like Mario like Bowser's in like we, just slams him up and down. This was like this was like a Taran you said it a Tarantino kaiju movie. Well, cause, because not only were characters bleeding profusely, but at certain points it would just be sprays. Oh yeah, of blood. like later in the like later in the final battle, like. Godzilla gets cut open, and it's as as if it's like in Kill Bill, where like you know, like when the bride Beatrix, right? You want to bleep that out? You can because bleeped out the first movie. I do love how you're calling her Beatrix. Like everybody calls her the bride. Still, you're the only one calling her by her, which which is appropriate. But like, Uh, but remember, kiddo. But remember, Uh, it was a whole thing where Subaraya was very anti blood. And they took advantage of him not, you know, being with us anymore. Uh, dead, unfortunately. Uh, but uh, they they took advantage of that in Gigan by doing that. Yeah. This one, they doubled down on. Yeah, that. but there's like there's legitimate one scene where like Godzilla's like squirting blood like like a Tarantino movie. Yeah. Like 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 Kill Bill. Like we're like you know you know in Kill Bill like in the Japanese sequence in the end of Kill Bill Part One. We're just like, I, every- think, I think we understand what you're talking. Everybody's you don't need squirting to, blood. You don't need to everywhere. reference Kill Bill like that many times. I think we get it. <laughs> you can tell I watched Kill Bill recently. Um, but like remember but, that other scene. Remember all the scenes in the first Kill Bill. Well, and you know what I want to say about the monster action too is like again, like I said earlier, that like this movie is beautifully shot and in many ways and is really showcases how much more dynamic like camera movement and stuff is coming in this era. Because like the the if you imagine like the same fight, like even like five years ago, it would just be like static shots. But well, this one you've the got like filmmaking all around here in the carrot in the human and special effects monster stuff is the most interesting and purposeful. I think. Yeah, no, that, that, that's what it, it, it's cr- the best, well crafted. It's yes, just from a just from a pure visual standpoint. Sure, because 
Like, and it just creates something new within these monster fights. It, it, it makes them a little bit more dynamic and it makes them, you know, even just in terms of how you shoot them, it just makes them look more interesting. Well, then, like, then, it, then, like, when we, you know, when you go to something, even, you know, like, uh, like in Gigan or like, uh, even towards back towards like Destroy All Monsters or Beer, where it's just like these, you know, stack shots of monsters walking across. There's also no bunch. stock footage in this. Oh, yeah. If, at not. least none that I noticed. Uh, but on both sides, like, for instance, like, you have, like, the weirdest one is that grid flashback, yeah. which I, I don't understand how that happened. But other than that, like, you have very effective, kind of goofy uh, I mean, techniques, like, like, but like, you have, like, all right, it's the image of Godzilla, and then it, like, pans back, and then it's like, transitions into a living room, and it's, like, through the TV yeah. screen. Like, and, that's, or, like, really cool, and it doesn't come off you, as goofy. Earlier, early in the movie, you have a character walking down the hallway, and it's, like, an actual, like, tracking shot. Like, yeah. a dolly shot that's, like, pulling him, like, pulling back as he's walking down. And speaking of aesthetics and filmmaking techniques, we got, like, shaky cam during, like, the fight scenes and oh, everything. Yeah, yeah. It looks and, way different. And, and just, like... and. There's some shots I want to call out later, but but in some- terms of the but in terms of like the special effects stuff and the monster stuff, like w- after the the Angira stuff, he goes to kind of like an industrial di- Godzilla does yeah. goes to an industrial district and lays waste. Oh, like it's and got, at and this it's- point, it is just like oh, this is this is spectacle. Yeah, because it's like because he goes to this industrial place. He's got this like kind of red filter. He's just going through. There's huge explosions and stuff like this that. This is probably when you realize like oh, like from a special effects point, this is probably the most beautiful Godzilla thing they had done yet. I oh, absolutely, and, and, and then, it makes such a difference in your enjoyment of the movie. Be, and then because then this is also the scene where the real Godzilla pops yeah, so, out of out of yeah, a building so again, for some reason. Okay, so. Yeah, the Godzilla we've been talking about is a phony. Because the real Godzilla he's pops up. a big phony. He, he real Godzilla pops up and confronts this Godzilla. Yeah. And then they fight. Because you can a also bit. tell there's a little bit of a hint earlier because Godzilla, the real Godzilla, has his traditional blue atomic breath. Yes. Whereas the fake Godzilla has a more reddish atomic breath. So basically it comes down to the this imposter is being found out. And then in a very uh Cetopian like yes, way, yes. exactly. They like just in the cut last to the aliens. They just cut to the aliens. I, I want to talk about the. I'll get to the aliens real quick, but it cuts to these aliens and like, well, I guess they found out our Mecha Godzilla, which is really funny that they call it Mecha Godzilla, but then it cuts to the humans and they're like, it's some sort of Mecha Godzilla. No, but then the aliens also just call it Mecha Godzilla. Well, it's like because because the the, the 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 leader of these aliens is yeah. like. Well, it seems Godzilla's finally met his duplicate. Hmm. Well, let's take it up a notch. Yeah, exactly. And then it reveals the image of Godzilla of Mecha Godzilla, where he like sheds his skin. But I, but getting back to kind of just the visual look of it, even like the transformation scene, it's not just like oh white and then he turns or a flash and he turns right. into Godzilla. It's kind of like this. You know, they do like this kind of flash, this flash show, this light yeah, show yeah. around him to reveal, and and then you still have like all the fire and destruction around yeah, it's him. Very too. good. Yeah, and it's it's just again, it's just it adds that difference. Like I would say, like like again, it's another thing that it shares with Ghidorah because even though Ghidorah is like an older movie, I think Ghidorah is one of the more interestingly directed and shot movies that we had seen up to this point, and I think that this one is definitely the best shot. 
but it's 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 something that adds so much to the movie. But I wanted to talk about the aliens real quick because this is when it gets into the biggest thing I think you and I said while watching this movie is that this movie is so straight to the point. It's straight to the point. Which yeah. again, this is what makes it again awards and all like a p- perfect example of what a B movie kaiju movie is. Right. Because it is because it is like don't go into it thinking like I think like good like you said Ghidorah has the best like actual story somewhat fleshed out characters and i think the characters here are well defined enough and you can follow the story enough but it kind of comes down with the aliens where in this movie it's just the aliens the humans figure out it's aliens fairly quickly mm-hmm. and there's no well, explanation well we, we know how they figure out it's aliens. oh because they found the metal and then they find out it's space titanium so the one, there's a one professor um who's like oh this is space titanium and then he looks at megagodzilla he's like that Mecha Godzilla has to be made with space titanium, so it has to be aliens from space. Exactly, yeah, and it's like that. And then the aliens themselves, their plan is that they're evil aliens. Yeah, <laughs> Essentially, there's, there's no, no I will scene say, about like this no, is what our plan is. There's no scene about oh, our planet's dying. There's no plan to overworld no. conquerors. They're just like we're aliens. But you know what? That makes them charming. Like yeah. that, really, like legitimately makes them like they're charming just because like they are le- legitimately just. Evil bad guys. Well, they also they had an out too. They could have said that they were from the Planet of the Apes, because <laughs> they are. They their true well, form eventually gets revealed when they get die when they die or get damaged, and they look like the apes from Planet of the Apes. A hundred percent. So apparently, uh, somewhere I, I looked at like Godzilla databases. Um, this uh, they're called black. Black Hole Planet 3 Aliens. Because that's what they said. They're from the third planet from the black hole. I think yeah. that's what they say. But AKA, they are also called simians. Okay. They're, they they look like the apes from Planet of the they Apes. They are. It's just this ape planet yeah. from the apes. And even like when one of them gets revealed, you know, he doesn't even speak English anymore. He's, He's just like... like oh, 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 oh. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so... It's it's, it's Like crazy. when like the, like the apes in Planet of the Apes, like when they kind of like... they like slightly revert to their like ape forms when they're like kind of ho- hooting and hollering at like at uh, sure. Charlton Heston. Right. Like it's like kind of like that. Um but you know what? We've we uh, well just around the aliens. Um yeah. I just want to talk about the alien leader guy. Oh uh, um, yeah, he was cool. I like that guy. He's very chill, but I think you know what? It really relates to kind of his mini arc in the movie because like throughout the whole movie he's so chill and he's like he's so like again like he's just like Hmm. Well, you are gonna are gonna rebuild Mecha Godzilla for us, or like, or like, hmm. Like, what if they get a load of this? He, because he's so confident. He goes along with the flow so much. Like, anytime something goes not the way that they thought, he's just like, well, I guess we just got to do it this way now. Well, until the end. Sure. Because at the end, when they finally like destroy, oh, it's a spoiler. When they finally like destroy Mecha Godzilla. Spoilers. <laughs> when they finally destroy Mecha Godzilla, yeah. that's when like his confidence drops. Cause he he he. What I like Mecha about Godzilla is their ace in the hole. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like Mecha, like this guy is so confident. This alien leader is so confident because he always knows. Well, Mecha Godzilla is the ultimate like like robot form. There's no way they can ever defeat him. So no matter what goes wrong, we have Mecha Godzilla in our back pocket. Once he loses Mecha Godzilla, then he's like, this isn't this is impossible. We, we, we can't lose. He like, also uses the term cyborg wrong. He yeah. keeps calling Mechagodzilla a cyborg, and I'm like, he's not a cyborg. He's a robot. But really, Will, I mean, <laughs> we've been kind of talking about this like this fine plot, this great shot movie. You know. Oh, by the way, alien. speaking two two shots real quick. Uh, there's the shot, because this marks the first use of a beam lock, in which uh, it's, it's a famous Godzilla move in which 
the two monsters shoot a beam at oh. each other, oh, and then they lock beams. I thought you were talking about like a camera move, like a, a beam lock camera oh, move. No. <laughs> I was like, wait, what's? The, I was like, I'm I'm a film person, but like I don't know. <laughs> Never what heard beam, of a beam lock. It does kind of sound like yeah. a, a camera move, but that's the first time two beams shoot out at each other, and then yeah. they lock into each other. It's it's used as you can imagine, it's used all the time in the video games. Yeah. Um, but the biggest one was like, so Godzilla is out of commission for a little while in the movie, yeah. and then he goes to take this recess at like a an island somewhere in the middle of a thunderstorm and powers up using the island and it is awesome yeah just... like he's like he's recovering from the island and like he's just like because again in the previous imagine you know, a it, scene like that in like is, a see, modern see, godzilla this is, movie this is our mcu-esque arc here because yeah. in previous movies <laughs> in previous movies godzilla's weakness was electricity right but now he's harnessing the power he's Thor and Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> he's the god. He's the god of monsters and the thunder. Can you recut that scene? But with with the with the but but all right. Wait, we <laughs> okay. There's right. another shot we'll talk about later. But Will, we've talked about all this stuff. We talked about how great this movie is. Yeah. We gotta talk about the Mecha Godzilla though. Oh yeah, no. Me- well, we are talking about Mecha Godzilla. Like, we got like. Okay, here, one thing, because Mechagodzilla shines the most in the final scene. Yeah. And in the final scene, he is up against two monsters, which the prophecy has said. That's Godzilla and King Caesar, which, which we'll, I, I have to talk about King Caesar. Let, let's get me, like, can we get him out of the way real sure, quick? Sure, like, fine. Like, you, that's right. Okay. So King Caesar um, is, obviously, he's a new monster, so you have to describe what he looks like. All right, yeah. So he's a mix between, like, a lion, he's got a bat face, and he's got, like, dog ears. Right. And he's a giant lion dog, man. Yeah, yeah, and uh, he so basically, like, and he's like, in he's essentially like he like that ancient guardian statue we talked about before, King Caesar. So that's him. So he's basically like this ancient guardian of Okinawa mm-hmm. that um can only be awakened like, by somebody of like the royal dynasty or who's something. The, who's not either. Which comes back to kind of like that subplot of like he, the grandfather, because at one point the grandfather's like, well, the only person that can stop. Uh, you know, any of this madness is King Caesar, but screw the outside world. Let's not even bother with that. Everybody, like, the outside world should get destroyed. And then the grandfather gets saved by the guy, and then there's, like, this cutaway look to him, and I turn to you. I'm like, is that his arc? Like, now he likes the outside world? But anyway, so they awaken King Caesar. Which is another scene I really liked. They're singing. Yeah. So she sings. And the thing, like, it's like, you, it's like nothing, in one sense, it's like a scene that you know where it's going, because obviously King Caesar has to awaken. Mm-hmm. But I did feel like, A, the song was, you know, fine. Yeah. And, but I also Doesn't felt, touch the Mothra song. No, it does not yeah. touch the Mothra song. Yeah. I mean, we gotta make that clear. But, I also felt that the way it was edited, it still brought this level of, like, just a little bit of that tension, just a way that it kind of, like, it built to a climax. Mm-hmm. They edited it well that it built to a climax to when King Caesar finally awakens. It felt like a little bit of a moment. Sure. I mean, and so just a little bit of background on him. Uh, it was um, Guardian Monster King Shisa, which is like in the how you originally said it in Japan, I suppose, um, is actually... Huh? That was Japanese. It, it's based on uh, the Shisa Lion Dog Guardian uh, that is found on Okinawa. Um, it's originally from China. They are statues that ward off evil spirits. Uh, another name uh, for them in Japanese is uh, Komenu, which means lion dog. Uh, King Caesar has always been just fine to me. 
I mean, like, listen, I'll give it the credit that it is a much different looking monster. That it's basically like, let's make a mammalian dog yeah. lion type monster. Yeah. Instead I, of like a dinosaur or dragon or something yeah, like I that. Yeah, I thought it was fine. Yeah, I mean, yeah. fine's the way to do it. Like I said, I think the height of it was just like that initial awakening but of him. But here's the thing. Let's get to the monster you really want to talk about. Yeah. And, that, and that's Mechagodzilla. Mechagodzilla makes his appearance. Well, we've already said he makes his appearance, but just overall in the movie, just marks his territory as in a way that we haven't seen maybe since you, Ghidorah. You know what I was thinking today when I was thinking about what I was going to say? No, I haven't seen you most of today. I know. Yeah. Mechagodzilla is everything that Gigan should have been. Sure. Oh, 100%. Mechagodzilla just blows Gigan out of the goddamn water. Yeah. He's brutal. He's overpowered. He's got a bunch of cool tricks up his sleeve. Like, there's stuff that Mechagodzilla does in this movie that blew my mind. I mean, and it keeps ratcheting up, too, because at one point, so he has the beam breath. Yeah. And then he has eye beams, I believe, at yes. one point. And then he has, like, a chest beam yes. at one point. And then, he, and, then, and then he also has missile fingers. Yes, then he has missile fingers. And then wait. he has... Toe fingers. Toe. I mean, it's not toe fingers. Toe missiles. And he has a shield. Yeah, well, no, even before that, then he's able to rotate his head. Can I talk about this? Yeah, th- this Can is I talk the about one. This? You lost your mind this is when amazing. this happened. Yeah. So in the final fight, <laughs> Caesar and Godzilla are on opposite ends. Right. So <laughs> Mechagodzilla turns his head around but keeps his little uh, missile fingers pointed at Godzilla. Caesar and Godzilla simultaneously charge. Mechagodzilla shoots his beams at at Caesar, shoots the missile at Godzilla mm-hmm. while his head's turned around. Both of them go flying, and Mechagodzilla's just standing there in such the most badass way possible. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, and but yeah, because one of the things again we talked about, Gigan, Gigan had that little bit of that brutality, but Mechagodzilla takes it a step further. Mechagodzilla, I mean, you think about like again, like he's he's acting as Godzilla, but you think about that Angiris fight. You think about like even like the way that you know that first Godzilla fight goes down. It's like Godzilla has to recharge with that lightning thing because sure. he's because they think that Godzilla's dead. Like and, and Mega Godzilla does get broken in that fight, but like it's it seems like Godzilla's decimated. And then in that last fight when we talked about the Kill Bill blood squirting, that's all Mega Godzilla and and it's just like it really does it's like a great villain. It it has that initial Ghidorah feeling where it's like this is a guy that can crush Godzilla because he's so overpowered. Well, what's what's good about it too is like the movie also doesn't rest on its laurels in terms of the action because you have a lot of like that cool like all right he's shooting them with beams and at one point he's just so overpowered that he's shooting literally his entire arsenal. His arsenal and it's he just... basically becomes like there's that one. Sh- uh, I mean you know spoilers for uh, Infinity War, but there there's one scene in which like War Machine yeah. uh, is just cutting loose and is basically just a giant gun. Yeah. At one point, sorry spoilers for war, but it's War Machine. Come on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean if you. Re- if you watch these movies, you know what I'm talking about. But like, that's basically what Mechagodzilla does. Like every beam, every missile and is just, just shot at the same keeps time. Just shooting and shooting and shooting. But at the same time, this movie also will have the time to give some good, like, close-up hand-to-hand action or some. There's some choreography in it where it's like, you know, Godzilla shoots the beam, like, and Mechagodzilla like does like a like a like a fake out, like yeah. a turn to like dodge it, and then that like shoots at uh, at Caesar. Um, and you know what? And, and, it, and it really cool. And then on the opposite end, it ratchets up the tension because Godzilla shows a secret weapon 
in which he becomes he reveals that the lightning has made him an electromagnet. Yeah, yeah. So he's now again that Thor Ragnarok. You know, he found that he can control the lightning. So instead of again, think about that ten years ago, King Kong versus Godzilla. He can't stand God, King Kong's lightning power. Now he's learned how to harness it. He creates himself. He's electromagnetic. But yeah. I do want to say this. As effective as Mechagodzilla as as a villain, mm-hmm. it only elevates how badass Godzilla looks. Sure. This is some of the... Like, the other shot that I've been kind of talking about, that initial shot where Godzilla is, like, that close-up where he's rising Oh, that was awesome. Rock, that was awesome, That's, yeah. like, the highlight. Like, that's what you put in a, like a, in a montage to show, like, oh, my Again, God. Again, apparently this is also a Thor Ragnarok show, but it's also, like, that shot when Thor is, like, you know, jumping down onto the Rainbow yeah. Bridge. Yeah. But, it, no, it is. It's, like, he comes up, and it's it come, is pretty it badass. And, and he's, like, looking, like, angry, like, you've done it now. It, it's kind of moments like that where you miss, like, the Ifakube score. Like, yeah. that moment would be pitch perfect like if, if you, it was, like, if you, boom. Bum, 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 Again, bum. but that's like the moment you put in a montage. Sure. Like, yeah. that's the moment you start, like, you put in a montage and really say, oh, shit, yeah. Godzilla's badass. But then, like, it's just, again, like, it's Godzilla, Mecha Godzilla is bringing so much fire that Godzilla's comeback and eventual victory, at which point he snaps Mecha Godzilla. Tears his head off. Tears his head off, snaps it like he's breaking his neck. Like simultaneously, heroically, but also unceremoniously too, <laughs> because it, it is funny. Like he does the thing, and it's very heroic. But then the head just snaps off, and everybody's like, "I, I, I guess we won." Yeah. And like the aliens are like, "Damn!" <laughs> like it, it's but it's like but it, but that's what really makes this movie. It really because the monster action. You know, it, the thing is, is like when you really like total it over the movie, it's not that much. Um. Just to kind of start wrapping up, I guess uh, I, we shouldn't mention that there's another whole plot line revolving Interpol um, with, sure. these, with these two guys. Sure. There's uh, Interpol agents that like one end of them. Up being one of them, Will, Will's yeah. convinced, looks like Tommy Wiseau. No, he just acted like Tommy Wiseau because he was always like, "I'm an Interpol agent." Ha 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 ha. Well, like, he looked, and he had black hair. He's wearing sunglasses. Say, he was a Japanese Tommy Wiseau. The, I mean, one thing we haven't mentioned that I do want to mention that I, I really enjoyed was the whole cruise ship sequence. I have a note about that. Yeah. So the so this it was called the um uh so the two characters it was a ferry. Um, called the Sunflower uh, Sapporo, um, which is a real-life ferry um, that was active until uh, 2013. Um, and it was used as a film sponsor in the movie, mm. which when you watch the movie, and this is kind of like interesting with product placement, and if you're like a country removed, like it just goes over your head completely. Yeah. But when you really watch it, like... Yeah, they are kind of like milking this fairy. Like yeah. they're out at dinner. They go into like the like the the bedrooms, and they're very nice. Yeah. And there's a lot of shot. Like they spend a lot of time on it that you don't think they need to really. Right. No, but you but, could definitely tell they were a sponsor was, again, for a part it. Part of yeah. that pacing because they're they're basically on the cruise ship. Like oh, they're never going to follow us on the cruise ship, but they are. And then the monkey alien dude sneaks into their hotel room and takes the box that he thinks the statue is in. Mm-hmm. And then there's I, – I felt like that whole 
again, there, there's a whole chase sequence and a well, fight on the Well, that gets to the spy stuff that I think that Fukuda was interested yeah, in but doing. Yeah, but I felt that that was well done. I was really, I was into Sure, the, I was, it, no, it's I, well done I, enough, I think. I, I, I was into it. I, I thought the action was cool. Like, and you had some of that shaky cam stuff. You had, like, a little bit of, like, the intrigue where, like, he goes up and he, the, the, the guy, the, the alien disappears and he's looking around trying to find it. And then, like, you had the whole thing. That's when the, the monkey stuff first gets revealed. You had, like, a mysterious, like, someone saves him mysteriously. I, I just feel like, again, like, just some of that human action. And even, the, like, the stuff where they're infiltrating the alien base with that, you know, with the agents and stuff like that. And, and at the yeah, end... it works. And the end when, like, they're watching the Godzilla fight uh, and, the you know, the there's the Professor character and the Interpol agent and they're, you know, I'm doing it right now, but they're kind of hooked up, you know, they're they're tied together you know they're they're handcuffed and there's like that the whole sequence where they're like communicating like with with their eyes and being like we'll do this and yeah, it I, works and i I, works. I think that that's what makes this easily accessible that there I is i think that a re- revealing two interpol agents was like a little redundant <laughs> i yeah, don't think the, you needed to do that yeah because <laughs> it was literally like it was just lit- some two char- like a character was in peril then the guy who you thought may have been the bad guy, he's like, I'm an Interpol agent. And then these other characters are in peril. And this guy who really wasn't in the movie until that point, except like sans like a couple scenes, he's like, I'm also an Interpol agent. I'm, I'm that like, guy's I'm, partner. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if you needed that, but uh, whatever. All right, here's the thing, because we got to wrap up soon. Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla is legitimately one of the best movies I think we've watched. And I think that if you are at all interested in seeing what a B-movie kaiju movie is. I know mm-hmm. I can say B-kaiju movie, but I like saying B-movie kaiju movie. Not B-movie. Because, that, because that's how Not you... Not B-movie. Because when you search it up on like the, the categories, you say B-movie, type, 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 and then kaiju movie. I'm sure that's a database somewhere. Anyway. Because if you just type B-movie, yeah. you're going to come up with but Jerry, if you want to, Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> But if you want a movie that is monster on monster action, you want a Godzilla movie, you want a badass monster, it's really this and Ghidorah. And this movie makes good on, and I would say even from a technical, in terms of how pretty it looks and in terms of the shot, I would even go for this one maybe a little bit over that if you want like that really good spectacle monster action. Yeah. I mean, I, I think as an overall movie, I still give it to Ghidorah, but this is a very close follow up to it. Yeah, yeah, I would I would not disagree. And I got to say Mecha Godzilla, man. I I had a good in, I had good instincts on it because he's he's awesome. He's All great. Right. So Nick, um not too much as with the previously, should we go into the uh, post release? Aftermath, let's do it. Of the movie. Um so this movie uh turned out to be uh more successful than its uh previous uh um installment um in Megalon, um just in terms of Received, at least in Japan, received uh, well in terms of it sold much more tickets, many more tickets. Um, in terms of reviews, I thought that I would look at some. Here's a contemporary review from monthly film bulletin, uh, Tony Raines. Um, he stated that at this point in the Godzilla series, there was no way... T- there was no way the film could have been anything other than what this franchise had been. Um, he did note, however, that the story for once was actually quite ambitious and that the film's mythic elements are never coherent or impressive enough to match the array of alien technology. Uh, the script seems to forget all about fulfilling its own prophecies as it hurries towards regulation uh, freestyle uh, wrestling climax. The one thing I will agree about this one is that I do feel like that the mystical Okinawa dynasty stuff 
is brought up and not really brought up again until it's convenient yeah, to the plot. They could have done a little bit more with yeah. it. But, but I still I, I still think it was effective. But I do agree, like this may be the one where it's like, oh, the story actually, like I said, works. It is functional and it leads for a good foundation for the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh retrospective review by Stuart uh, Stuart Galbraith. Um, who wrote a book on uh, Japanese genre films, uh, he described the film as a complete mess, finding that the aliens in the film were a ripoff of Planet of the Apes um, and uh, was one of, and he actually felt was one of the uh, movies where the effects were quite poor. I absolutely disagree with that. Um, he did say that it was an improvement over Godzilla versus Megalon. Uh, but that's not saying much. And but among the many positive attributes, the score is interesting, and um, there's some uh, smaller appearances from other actors that uh, he enjoyed. I did want to bring this up though, because Megalon, because we are coming off of the movie that I had said was the movie that determined what the the attitude towards these movies were. Mm-hmm. Like now, after Megalon, like nobody takes these movies seriously, right? Uh, and I know this is a retrospective review, but it. You know, I, I I don't know, like like in terms of like the legacy now, like what would you say? Like maybe it's because with the benefit of rewatching these and binging them in a way, like this stands up like above pretty much oh, yeah, it does. most of the show series. It does. I mean, because because just here's the thing though, I I do think that just like with with Bond, I do feel that there's you know always been an inherent silliness with these movies, yeah, other than. You know, Gojira. Yeah. Every other one has had, like, very silly elements. So kind of saying, like, Megalon is, like, the proof that it's a kid movie. It's, it's just as you said before, it's more that more people have seen it. Um, but even this one has it, – it, 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 no, it, it does. I mean, it, I, we can't say it enough. It's this and Ghidorah are, like, the top two. Other than other than fifty four. So while uh, critics um, are mixed to not very kind about it, Godzilla vs Megalon has remained popular among the fans of the Godzilla you franchise. Said, wait, you said Megalon. You just you did say it. You, you, you know what to, I mean? Yeah, Mecha Godzilla. Yeah, but I'm just telling the fan. The fans are going to be confused. Well, the fans were a fan of this. Okay. <laughs> they were a fan of Mechagodzilla. Uh, he has remained popular amongst the fans in recent years, and it, it quotes, uh, due to the jazzy music, colorful special effects, and entertaining monster fights. The film's robust themes and fairly complex plot, which that that's not true. Disagree with that. <laughs> uh, out against a time when the Godzilla franchise was being fueled by increasingly lower production values. So... This kind of goes to show, and I hate to make it a critics versus fan thing, but I do think like if you're following these movies very diligently, you will find the difference. Like production quality, this is not even comparable to the last like no, couple absolutely movies. not. And, and even in terms of enjoyment, like I've said, I've enjoyed stuff. Like I've en- I enjoyed Megalon, I enjoyed Son of Godzilla, you know. But it's like there, you get a sense of like, oh, I enjoyed that, as opposed to being like. I love that. Oh, also, I almost, I really should, I really do want to mention this before we go. This was the first movie that actively um, uh, credited the suit performers. And they should. Yeah. Because the, the, the suit performers were great and the suits looked great. Like, sure. That Mecha Godzilla suit was awesome. Yeah. And I mean, there was like a tension, like, you know, they kind of, I know that the, you know, Mecha Godzilla was kind of given the direction of being kind of like a sumo wrestler, and you can kind yeah. of tell that in the way that he walked. Yeah. And, and, and and I think like this and Godzilla's like again, you have like a very sleek Godzilla design that makes him very active, uh, and kind of movement heavy. I think in this also one. doesn't Mecha Godzilla not Mecha Godzilla doesn't Godzilla at one point kind of do a like 
bring it on. Yeah. Doesn't he kind of do that yeah. at one point? See, it's awesome. In, like, with, no, he, Megalon, does like a, he does a little like pose, like, yeah. a little, like a fight pose. With this in Megalon, I think it's about time that the suit performers get the credit they deserve. And this would be a trend that we would see in later Godzilla movies. Yeah. Um, so... Nick, um, I hope you enjoyed your appearance of Angiris because Angiris uh, will be taking a long break for a while, probably, uh, you know, dealing with, uh, no pun intended, the break in his mouth. Mm. Uh, he is sans jaw. He does not yes. have a bottom jaw anymore. And uh, so he's taking a long recess, as is King Caesar. He would uh, not, you're not going to see him for a while either. But you know who you will see again, Nick? Did, yeah. did you wait after the credits? Because if you wait after the credits, it says Mecha Godzilla will return. Did it? It did not. Okay. I said that to myself, so you probably didn't hear it. Right. But I'm telling you right now, Nick, that Mecha Godzilla will return. So there's no need to say goodbye to him quite yet. And if you don't have too much else to say, uh, that kind of goes into the end of our episode, which I guess is we should wrap it up by saying who um, Harrison Ford plays in this movie. All right, Harrison Ford is definitely another passenger on that cruise ship who's very annoyed at all the noise from that fight. Sure. Or what about what if he's just the captain? No, I think he's a I think he's a rich passenger. <laughs> okay. Like he's a rich passenger. He's like God. Like he's on vacation. Yes, he's yeah. on. Va- he's on. <laughs> I'm supposed to be on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> wrong wrong action hero <laughs> but i know you love that line yeah but you could see you could see him saying that he's like pointing them he's like some these this eight <laughs> this eight like comes knocks he over his dinner he's like i'm supposed to be on vacation <laughs> no ticket <laughs> um but anyway, so that that that's it. Uh, any last words, Nick? Because I can tell you what's coming next. If you tell want. us what's coming next on the Godzilla side of things. Well, Nick, like I said, you don't have to say goodbye to Mecha Godzilla. Do you want more Mecha Godzilla? I do. Well, you're gonna get more because next time uh, we will see a follow up to this film in the terror of Mecha Godzilla. But unfortunately, you're gonna have to wait a, uh, a week for that because next movie will not be a Godzilla movie. It'll be a Bond movie in which we're getting to something you are equally excited for. What will we be treated? The to? movie I'm so excited for. I've already watched it before we watch it together. Sure, yeah, because I'm so ecstatic. You know, I guess we're getting another Mecha Godzilla, so it's the semi summer of Mecha Godzilla. But we are here for the summer of Dalton and. This is going to be one with a lot of cool facts, a lot of things I'm really excited to tell you about, especially introduce you to Dalton Bond, which I have a lot of thoughts on. The Living Daylights, our next episode. Sounds good for me, but you know what, Nick? I'm done. We're done. I'm done. You're done. We're done. It's time to plug things for our podcast. We have an email address. I don't know if you know that. We have an email address. Do you know what the email address is? Bonzillapod at gmail.com. You got it. All right, we got a Twitter Twitter.com slash Bonzilla007, Facebook.com slash Bonzilla007, and SoundCloud.com slash, you guessed it, Bonzilla007. Like and subscribe. Or if you didn't guess it, we don't want to shame you for that. We told you it. So hey, you it might be your know. first episode. Yeah, it might be. And you might what, a, what an episode. I think this is a decent it's episode a decent to start episode. on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah we, we, we really talked about a lot of things we've talked about over the podcast you know, length so far, but yeah, it's pretty good. You don't have to undersell it. Could have just given me that. Well, it's like you know, if you know, if yeah, first... I, I said I'm done. I'm done. We're okay, done. We're done. <laughs> All right, Nick. Uh, until Mecha Godzilla returns. Well, until again. Timothy Dalton debuts. Mm. All right, bye. Bye.